my dreams I've kissed your lips a thousand times I sometimes see you pass outside my door Hello Is it me you're looking for? I can see it in your eyes I can see it in your smile Cause you know just what to say And you know just what to do And I want to tell you so much I love you sunlight in your hair and tell you time and time again how much I care sometimes I feel my heart will overflow hello I've just got to let you know cause I wonder And I wonder what you do Are you somewhere feeling lonely Or is someone loving you Tell me how to win your heart For I haven't got a clue But let me start by Well, hello again. Hello, everyone. This is Hannah Smith-LaFriend, 
aka Roadside Shaman on Instagram. I'm here with another fireside chat for you all. I have been really listening deeply for where the conversation wanted to go next. And um, I feel like I finally, I don't know, four, five, six episodes into this experience, however many I've done, I don't even know yet, um, I am coming back to where I wanted to begin, (laughs) which is a discussion of how I found my way into my path, how I found my way into my um, personal center point or uh, uh, filter, which is lunar rhythms, following the moon. I um, I tried listening to people for a long time. I was listening to all of the humans around me, taking their instructions quite seriously, for I was convinced that somebody somewhere might have an inkling of what was going on around here. And the older I became and the more experiences I had, the less I trusted the... Um, let's say the default mode or collective agreement, the, uh, the cultural majority, the norms, I really started to shiver and quake around the norms, the normative expectations of our society. It just didn't make sense. It was breaking my brain on the daily because I was in a state of deep cognitive dissonance because I didn't have enough uh, understanding about how our world actually worked and what our physical reality actually was. And, you know, I was just basically ensorcelled. I was caught in the miasma of culture and religion and family of origin and, uh, you know, my own story, my own biography. I was caught up in the memories and, and patterns of my own, uh, narrowed perspectives and uh, it wasn't working it was not working in so many levels and at a certain point the collective pile of various things that I had just sort of shoved away, swept under the carpet, put on a high shelf somewhere, you know, filed as irrelevant. They all came knocking. All my hens came home to roost, and I couldn't think my way out of this problem. For once in my life, I couldn't think my way out of the cognitive dissonance because it wasn't these weren't conceptions that were meant to be held within the human mind. And so I had to let go of it. I had to release the fact that I wanted things to square up exactly right or I wanted everything to be in agreement. Like I had to let go of that and listen for what was relevant to me, what mattered to me in a given moment. And where I should be pointing my attentional focus towards in order to get more relevant information because I I was basically suffering from an overwhelm 
an overwhelmment of data. There was just too much coming in. I had a, um, I, I had a very sensitive system from the get-go. My, my neurology has always been uh, open, active, alert, engaged, um, curious, you know, like in, insatiably curious. Um, need more input all the time. And a lot of my physical barriers to that input fell away the older I got. And all of a sudden I felt like stripped raw nude, like a, like a bare wire after an electrical storm, sort of flickering in the street, sparking and jerking. And suffice it to say, it was not a pleasant experience when uh, all of a sudden I lost my coating. <laughs> I lost my insulation. I lost my grounding, literally. I lost my, my grounding, my connection to the ground to Naniwaya, to Mother Earth, to Gaia, to the material plane. And uh, I needed a new center of gravity. I needed a new focal point. I needed a new central filter. And that new central filter ended up being light-based. What do we see? The lights in the sky, the sun and the moon. And all of the little minor lights in between, the stars and planets and comets and asteroids and dark moons and other galaxies and nebulas and all these phenomena that we're swimming through. And all of a sudden, we've developed greater eyes to see, greater ears to hear, greater hands to reach and feel. We've expanded our sensate experience as a human consciousness and for those that are paying attention <coughs> for those that are you know listening and hearing and watching it's been a at times frightful process to expand our understanding into the fullness of the scale of our universe you start to feel invisible just because of the sheer scale of our known universe um, and so I was looking for a new center and at the time from deep 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 in the darkest pit of hell of pharmacological uh, pathological allopathic uh, medicine I found parasites <laughs> I found parasites I started learning about parasites and how parasites work and I learned about how parasites in my own dog my own pet animal my Warren my familiar had to be attended to according to lunar rhythms. In other words, we had to dose his medication for various parasites according to the lunar phase and the lunar cycles because these beings would migrate within his body pulled by the forces of the water, pulled by the forces 
of Hashimun, like those tides were dwelling within him and those tiny little creatures were responding. And I'm like, if those tiny, teeny, teeny, tiny little creatures are feeling this tidal pulse, how much more so do we as the human that's alert and active and aware and living in a conglomeration of millions and trillions of those similar tiny, tiny, tiny cells. It's like once I saw that and pulled those pieces together, it was like, because I mean, prior to that, I already had an a understanding of the gut microbiome and how it was a collective of positive and beneficial microbes that uh, had sort of like complicated relationships with other microbes that are invited in through ingestion or through intoxication or through, uh, you know, just contamination sometimes. I knew that that's how our gut worked. I knew that we were basically a, a, a sort of like a, a loose conglomeration of cells held together by a vague concept of self. You know, we, we only hold together ourselves as much as we, uh, pay attention to them you know we expend them unconsciously all the time in the shedding of skin and the loss of hair and skin cells flittering away in the dust every time we urinate defecate spit cough sneeze even breathing every time we breathe we send out our vapors and it's not just our water that goes out but it's the remnants of our cells it's this particulate that we expel in the vapor you know we are pollinators. We are part of the microbiome, even though we're large, you know, figures in the microbiome, we're made of it. So bits of it fall away and come someone else and bits of them fall away from them and become us. And this process, this constant recycling, this was a process I was already aware of. And so when I then conceptualized the idea that all of these little teeny tiny bits of me were listening to the sun and the moon and paying attention all the time, and it was just my consciousness that was choosing to ignore it. Oh, I mean, that's it. Just knowing. You, all you have to do is shut off your conscious brain and your unconscious, your intuition, your body, your physiognomy, your intuition, your reflexes, your 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 um <laughs> your mesenterium your pineal gland your vagus nerve oh my howdy does your vagus nerve ever tell you what to do whether you want them to or not like listen to your vagus nerve follow the yawn follow the charlie horse you know follow that stomach cramp listen Listen to those really sharp messages of your mesenterium. And I just realized that a lot of people listening might not even know that word because it is a rather unfamiliar and obscure medical terminology uh, for a part of all of our human anatomy. So I'm going to backtrack and backfill a little bit and just tell you what the mesenterium, the vagus nerve, um, and the pineal gland all kind of like have to do with one another as briefly and succinctly as I can you know you have a nervous system, right? I'm sure you've all seen pictures of like the skeleton with the um, the, the spinal cord nerves running out and then the, the 
other nerves branching out from the spinal column and leading out into the body all the way to the end of your fingertips and your toes. You also have a, uh, a lymphonervous system. It's in the fascia. It's an organic or organ neuronal structure that is expanded over your entire um, viscera. It basically wraps up your guts. It is your guts. It's the net that holds your guts. The mesenterium is like the spider web woven around all of your organs, holding them in place. And so if you can think of it like in terms of um, if you had a camp set up in a wilderness and you'd had a bunch of strings tying around and, uh, and you know, noisemakers attached to them so that you would get uh, an advance warning of something coming into your system, right? So like uh, you would hear a mountain lion or a coyote breaching your camp boundary and you'd be on the alert and you'd shine the light or wave a stick or, you know, and they'd go skittering. Um, or contrary wise, it would alert you to potential food prospect, um, because it, uh, started to wiggle when caught in one of your traps. This is the closest, uh, metaphorical story I can tell of how the mesenterium functions in the body, right? So like your crown, your, your, um, your, your high heart, these are your like way, way far out biofield alert systems. They're long distance basically. Um, but when you're in your body and you're asking yourself a question or when some new thing is coming into your experience or your consciousness and maybe you're not paying attention to it, your mesenterium alerts you. It's like, they're like your check engine light on your car. You know, they come on and tell you there's a problem before you know there's a problem. But if you ignore your check engine light and your, you know, your radiator explodes 10 miles down the highway, well, whose fault is that? You know what I mean? Like the, the, the mesenterium is helpful, but it's, it's like, it's almost only helpful if you're paying attention to it and listening to it. Otherwise it's, it's like the signals from the mesenterium can be painful and torturous if you don't pay attention to them and, and, and translate the input for an effective way for you. If it's randomized, these responses, they can become torturous and confusing. It's like listening to static on the radio. But if you have a nicely balanced and highly tuned vagus nerve, if you, if you are cleared out and balanced, if you're, you know, you've got rosin on the bow, very neat and tidy, you got your hair combed, neatly braided. I'm trying to throw a lot of metaphors into this because that's how my mind works. I have a very metaphorical mind. Um, if your vagus nerve is healthy and strong and activated and tuned, then your mesenteric signals are more effectively translated. There, that's an efficient way to say that. I need to run that back and write it down. <laughs> so, yes, if you don't know what your vagus nerve is, it's just like a major uh, nerve system, like a very large nerve that runs centrally and branches off and controls a lot of your um, 
automatic systems, your, your autonomic systems, like, you know, breathing and digesting and um, uh, your metabolism, etc. So, all right, so that's the mesenterium. And those are the, the signals that I began attending to. Those are the signals that I started listening to when I was focusing my attention to the moon and the sun, the rhythms of the moon and the sun. This was, again, you know, on a quantum level, very much all enfolded with my study of um, my own culture, my history within uh, my indigenous line, which is at least at this time I'm aware it includes the Chickasaw Nation. I'm continuing to explore my other lines, my other maternal and paternal lines to find out what other indigeneity I may also um, in grace be able to commune with. Um, I mean, I fully believe I can commune with anyone on the human path as I can commune with anyone in my experiencing. I can, I can find points of communion, but um, previous experiencing is, uh, it's just a comforting harmonizer. Makes it easier to tie things in. There's less discord, less dissonance when there's been previous experiencing along a life path. So, yeah, um, I know that at least in that history and that indigeneity in my exploration of the shamanic wheel of the year, um, I was exposed to a lot of really transformative ideas and my brain was at risk of significant uh, injury because there are thoughts that are toxic. I mean, there just are. There are thoughts that are healing and there are thoughts that are toxic. And there are certain thoughts that you can hold in certain seasons and, and certain thoughts that if you even touch them for a moment, when you're sensitive, when you're fragile, I mean, they can set you on fire like a catalyst. So, yeah, that's basically what happened to me. <laughs> I had some dangerous thoughts during a fragile season and it, it led to a radical spiritual uh, crisis, what can be called a spiritual crisis and that's understood in even psychiatric framework and psychological therapeutic modeling. Uh, the experiencing of going through a spiritual crisis is um, an understood phenomenon. So for everyone that isn't in that path, in that pathological or psychiatric path, it looks like an awakening. It looks like a spontaneous kundalini activation. It looks like um, a really difficult, painful kundalini activation through a pelvis that had been severely traumatized. And I mean severely. Like, like, like a lot, <laughs> like a lot, you know, multiple, multiple, multiple surgeries, 66 radiation treatments, um, grafts and transplants and stem cell injections after stem cell injections after stem cell injections, um, 
full body blood transfusions, you know, just there, there was a lot that this pelvis endured before that Kundalini activation. And so if you yourself are familiar with Kundalini and what, uh, activating that kind of a powerful movement of chi can do in the human body. Maybe you'll understand how things have been a little bit. Woohoo! <laughs> yeah, around here lately. Because um, there's just no English that really suits Kundalini experiencing, in my opinion. People talk about it, but you don't really know what it means until you know what it means. And the reason why I know that to be true is because even the word kundalini used to like freak me the hell out. And I avoided yoga for years because I was terrified of it um, and the force that it could wreak in my life. And now that I know what I know, I understand completely why I waited until I waited. Because this vessel, this brain, this consciousness, this belief structure... There is no way it could have sustained a Kundalini awakening at any other point in its life prior. Anytime from that point going forward, sure, yes, definitely. Structures were adjusted appropriately, but prior to that, no way. No way. Just nope. Just no. No. So, yeah. I was watching the sun and the moon. I was responding to auditory direction for the first time in my life that I could recall. Uh, you know, clairaudient direction, um, clairvoyant direction, spiritual gesticulation, glossolalia. Yikes. That was... That was a big one for me to move through because, I mean, there was just a lot of early childhood trauma regarding glossolalia, spirit, spirit tongues, light language, speaking in tongues. I'm going to label it for all the ways that I understood it to be labeled. Um, glossolalia is the technical term from the psychological framework. Um, uh, light language is what's most commonly used now speaking in tongues is familiar in Christian circles. Um, <laughs> sounded like a damn fool for most people that haven't been initiated into this. Talking gibberish, wackadoodle, somebody who is outside their right mind and just speaking nonsense. These are things that uh, have been described as what was experienced. I mean, if you know what it looks like to turn off your consciousness and let your mouth run words without your heart choice or your gut choice or your critic or your social filter. If you just let your body be used as a mouthpiece for the collective unconscious or the collective consciousness, you'd be amazed at what will flow through, right? You'll be amazed that anything does flow through. And so, again, I don't usually step aside that willfully. I always claim my words. I always say, nope, I'm always the final checkpoint. I'm always the one driving the mouth. I, You know, when I'm not driving the mouth, it comes out non-English. It comes out like squeaks and squawks and dolphin songs, you know. Um, but if it's words, particularly if it's English... 
I mean, I got to own some portion of that choice because if nothing else, there's probably some aesthetic choice happening, you know, because uh, there's just words I like better than others. So that's a bit of a ramble, probably because I started talking about glossolalia. Anytime I start talking about glossolalia, the glossolalia starts happening. <laughs> Anytime I start talking about setting aside the self to let the consciousness flow the words that want to be spoken... The self sets aside a little bit and the consciousness kind of nudges in and goes, don't you want to keep talking about that part just a little bit more? Flesh that out. And I go, no, we're on a schedule and we had a plan this time, universe. And then you start talking to yourself out loud and that's when you start sounding like the white coats are going to come get you. So that's the difference. I do still have some degree of self-awareness in my task awareness. <sighs> Thankfully. So... All right, so what what that brings us back to is the full circle moment that this is all fleshed out in, in a pretty deep layer of understanding of, of where I was pointing my direction. The lunar rhythms, the solar rhythms, astrology, you know, what I can see with my own eyes usually. And while I did read about the distant planets and the forces engaged I mostly just paid attention to the moon and tried to get up with the sun as much as I could and go to bed with the sun as much as I could I tried to pay attention to the sun and the moon and that unification really was that was it that was the integrator that was the great integrator because in the Chickasaw system the sun and the moon are one they have one word for both hashi Hashi sun, Hashi moon. And yes, Abba Benili is the sun, and yes, Sintalo is the moon, but Hashi sun, Hashi moon, they're one. They're bounce light. We only see the light of the moon because it's reflecting the glow of the sun. And when the sun departs behind the face of our mother, how, how do we have any hope to see their light except for in the reflection? of the moon and so the dark of the moon is a hard time you know when the moon departs our sight and we don't even have the reminder of our precious Abba Benili's gaze we don't have a reminder of the constancy of light of the of the unquenchable nature of that solar fire during those couple of days when the moon is dark and hiding beneath us, it's a season. It's a strong season. I mean, a lot of people seem to exhibit uh, behavioral variances during full moon. That's, you know, just ask any delivery room nurse how many babies are born during full moon or ask an ER doctor how many people come in with bizarre stories of adventures during full moon uh or the the jails or a bar dance nightclub any place you go to a full there on a full moon night or the couple nights surrounding the full moon the energy is intense the humans pick up on it you know because everyone's picking up on it but for me for me i always seem to i mean at least since i started paying attention anyway i always seem to really struggle through the the new moon times more as far as processing or integrating the energy and it's because the the light is diminished my my 
ability to see it is diminished. My opportunity to gaze on it is diminished. And so it requires greater attentional focus. It requires turning inward. It requires turning backward to the past, forward to the future. It requires turning downward into the earth to say, like, I know you're under there, son. I know that my, you know, southern brothers and sisters, or if you're on the south and you're looking upward, the northern brothers and sisters. In other words, wherever you are on the other side of the planet, there's somebody who's greeting the sun if you're greeting the moon. There's somebody that's greeting the dawn if you're greeting the sunset. There's somebody that if they're looking at the stars and the coolness, you are blazing under the noonday sun. That's why we iterated like that, because we wanted to feel it all, all at once. And the only way to do that is if there's more than one of us. Because you can't be everywhere at once unless you're everywhere at once. So, anyways, started paying attention to the moon, started paying attention to the sun, started feeling the differences, feeling the rhythms. And mind you, this is not with the typical help of a, you know, of a person my age that has uh, the parts I was born with. Usually they have a few more signal markers for these lunar rhythms. But I, I experienced early onset menopause um, or early ovarian failure, as it's sometimes called, um, because of radiation exposure to my ovaries. So while I maintain all my parts, they had basically been shut down, you know, fried, like overcooked scrambled eggs, but inside me. Um... So I had some flickering of activity when I was on different kinds of artificial hormonal supports, but I never, um, I never regained functionality of my womb space uh, after going through the uh, liposarcoma experience and the treatment of it. It just never, it never came back. I had one period after Truman was born um, when I started to wean him because I had to start chemo. Um, and so like there was this little window of time where my hormones started to get back to normal at one period and I started the chemo and then that was it. The stress of the chemotherapy shut down my ovaries and then the radiation that was done after the surgery um, kind of made sure that they weren't able to come back on because oftentimes a woman who goes through chemotherapy um, will experience some ovarian difficulty but if they're young enough they usually, it'll like reboot. It might take them a couple of years, but eventually they reboot, they normalize, they're healthy and, and strong and they recover some functionality. They might like go into menopause a little earlier than normal or whatever, but usually they get their functionality back. I did not. I did not get my typical functionality back at all. So I was really just listening to the signs in my body according to what a crone would look for, according to these internal signs that are um, much more subtle. I mean, very, very subtle, some of these signs. And I just started listening. 
and I started healing. I started using herbs. I started using essential oils. I got off of every kind of pharmaceutical medication. And I mean, I was on dozens of just nonsense and bullshit. Like, I mean, my nightstand was like a pharmacy. I I had tote bins full of pills and patches and creams and tinctures, you know. I, I was in all of it. And I got rid of all of it and replaced it with very little, actually, as far as something that could be looked at as like a medical intervention or a medication intervention. Most people would look at my life and say, well, she's not on anything because most people still don't accept cannabis as a medication. They still think of that as drugs and they would probably consider that to be a contributing factor to my dis-ease and, you know, blah, 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 blah. But, you know, we all know how we feel about that, don't we? Uh, no, they're wrong, clearly, because <laughs> I, I know now that different herbal medicines, which includes, but is not limited to cannabis. Yes, I use cannabis. I use it in many forms, right? I commune to that medication deeply and it heals so many things in me, but it's not my only healer. And if I lean too heavily on it, I get some sharp medicines from it. I get some, some corrections. That plant will not be used outside its own sacred nature. It sickens you. If you don't believe me, look up THC toxicity in Colorado. A brand new disease that humans created. It was never possible to get sick off of marijuana until we started messing with the plant, breeding it for such high rates of THC, and then extracting it. You know, taking that plant that's already very, very, very high in THC and then extracting it down to get even higher amounts and then ingesting that at ridiculous levels, totally irresponsibly, totally outside of consciousness. And then it makes people sick. It gives them, basically gives them the symptoms that they're trying to alleviate, makes them nauseous. Usually cannabis helps alleviate nausea, but with THC toxicity, you end up having hyperemesis. You have like a a woman who has morning sickness, you just can't keep anything down and you're sick. So you think, oh, I'll just, I'll just have some more cannabis. I'll feel better. And then it makes you feel worse. And then you have more cannabis and it makes you feel worse. And you have more, it's like this ever unending cycle where it's like a feedback loop. And it never was an issue. It never was possible before until humans started abusing this plant and treating it as a commodity. As soon as the capitalist energies and forces came into play, that, I mean, commune with the plant, not the product. That's what I'll say about marijuana. What I will say about cannabis is that the safest thing is to commune with the plant and never with the product. If someone is trying to sell you a marijuana-based product, be very cautious, be very careful. Yeah, CBD is great, but some of the extraction processes that they put it through denatures it to such a degree that it's not really helping you, um, or at least not helping you the way that it fully could. 
CBN is an important byproduct of properly processed THC. And it only happens with time. But time is death to capitalism. Time is money to them. So how do you get high CBN products other than by getting the plant yourself and aging it out? I haven't found a way. I haven't found anyone that's focused on CBN products because it's time-based. So, I mean, yes, I give hope and I make space for all realities and maybe the next time I go into the dispensary, um, someone will have a lovely product there for me that's full of CBN that helps with my particular suite of physiological symptoms. Maybe they will. I hope they will. But in the meantime, guess what else I have? I have turmeric and black pepper and cinnamon. I have sunbathing. I have shell dancing. I have bell ringing. I have sage and palo santo. I have lavender. I have aloe. I have anise. I have my pepper tree. I have my jacaranda blossom. I have so many medicines available to me besides cannabis. But the thing is, I never would have been able to put down the, you know, dozen or 15 or however many other pill bottles full of medication if I had not had access to cannabis, if I had not had that supportive framework. So that gave me the tool to listen even more deeply into those subtle spaces. It helped me to feel safe in my own body. It helped me to feel at home, at ease. It helped me to feel free of pain for the first time in my life. You know, really, truly having pain-free moments. That's the thing about narcotics. And I don't know if you guys know this, because I don't know if you've had them before you know maybe you had your wisdom teeth out and the doctor gave you a couple vicodin or something narcotics don't really help with pain they don't what they do is they sort of help you care less that you're in pain it flattens your affect it makes you not worry about the fact that you're in pain you're like oh yeah i feel that but it's not such a big deal anymore i guess i'll go about my business that's not what I experienced with cannabis. With cannabis, I actually experienced relief. The lessening of pain, painful signals. Signals of pain. You know? So, and the tr same true with all those anti-inflammatories I was on. They didn't really deal with my inflammation. Turmeric helped with my inflammation. Bentonite clay. Oh my God, do you know how many freaking bentonite clay baths I took? I was going through this process, purging all that stuff out of my body. I cured myself of lymphedema. I cured myself of chronic, you know, nominally incurable. They, the, the news on lymphedema is once you got it, you got it. And it's just the lifelong management after that point. Right? Uh, no, sir. Homegirl does not do chronic anymore. Not like that. Not that kind of chronic. I I have resolved it. I've now, I've now gotten to the point where I believe 
I have a slight tendency towards edema on my left leg still. Slight, right? I watch it. I support myself. I, I do things that make sure that that tendency doesn't become a likelihood, <laughs> you know? And that likelihood doesn't become an eventuality. And that eventuality becomes an incurable process. I nipped it before it could become a permanent situation. And that's unheard of in Western medicine. I mean, it just doesn't happen. People don't cure themselves from lymphedema in their legs after having, you know, lymph nodes removed and radiation done and, and being obese. I was 300 pounds when this was all going on. Two, 280, you know? got down to like 275, got down to 250. I was really excited the first time I got down to 250 because it meant I could go to, go back to Disneyland and visit and not worry about breaking the ride or kick, getting kicked off the ride. Edema likes fatty tissue, you know, and inflammation. I mean, when you put on weight, you're inflamed. You're You're holding on to that fluid that substance so I it was a lot of work I had to do a lot of work to get this body functional and working well and it required deep listening and observing the rhythms of the moon and the sun communing with plant medicine communing with animal spirit communing with the rocks my son goes there she goes talking to those rocks again <laughs> he's got he's got these lovely little scripts that crack me up because I do I talk to the rocks because they talk to me man they're very chatty you just have to listen turn your ears on turn your rock listening ears on turn your plant listening ears on turn your animal listening ears on turn your bug listening ears on you know stop squashing bugs can I just say that shout out for all the bugs out there please stop squishing them they're really not going to hurt you if they bite you or they sting you guess what it's likely medicine you needed don't believe me guess who used to be allergic to bees Hi, you can't see because it's radio, but I'm totally waving my hand in the air right now. Yeah. Bee medicine. Bee sting therapy for rheumatoid. I don't like saying rheumatoid, but since it's a medicine, I'll speak of its healing. In order to heal rheumatoid, bee sting on the acupuncture meridians totally works. Guess who accidentally got stung by a bee and was like suffering and like really having a hard time? until they found out that it was therapeutic and all of a sudden they were relieved and transformed and all of the infection feeling and the swelling feeling and the, you know, wanting to chew through my wrist feeling went away because I received it as medication. I received it as healing immediately in that moment, right? Yes, I'm allergic to bees. Yes. I have an autoimmune disease. Yes, I've previously been deeply terrified slash paranoid about Lyme disease. Yes, that is a truth I can resonate with still enough to see, say those words, right? But you know what I don't ever do anymore? Run away from the bees or swat at them. I don't squish spiders. I don't swat flies. I don't even squish ants on purpose. Yes, I clean them up. But I hope they make it after I brush them out of the way. You know, I wish them well after they have been scooted out of my way. 
I'm listening to their wellness and they're showing me mine. I'm seeing their health and vitality and normalness and, and thriving in their state of existence in their now and feeling mine. That's what that is to be in spiritual connection, the universal flow. I'm seeing their good and feeling mine. That's all it is. It's observational focus. So, observational focus requires tuning, and we're a highly symbolic species. Humans love symbols. And so, when it came time for me to commune with these lights, I did what any good human does. I named them. I named my son, Abba Benili. I named my moon, Sintalo, right? But Sintalo moves and shifts and changes so much that they needed a million, trillion, billion quantum names. They needed the names of Archangel Haniel. They needed the name of every name. They needed the name of every moon because every human gazes upon a different moon in every locality. And so what came to me was I'm to name the moons for this now, for me, for mine, for my locality, for the chaparral, for where I am, for where I dwell, for my arena, for my, me, mine, ours, us. Whatever that means. Translate it as you want. I was to name the moons for the chaparral, which is the zone, this microbiome, this bioregionality that I live in, that I dwell in, like you, you could be in the coastal region, you could be in the desert, you could be a mountain forest creature, you could be a solar polar creature, you could be an equatorial critter. I am of the chaparral. This body, this vessel was crafted and birthed here, dwelled here for many, 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 much most of its years. I am of the chaparral. And so those are the way I named the moon. I, I named the moon according to what the chaparral is experiencing or, or, or wants to point out or attend to. Okay? I started doing it. It was intermittent at first. I named a few moons here and there. I skipped a lot of moons. I wasn't sure if my moon names were right. I guessed a lot and I said, do you like this name? I was really shy with my moon names. I wasn't sure, right? And so I started it with the hashtag game, the way a lot, I start a lot of my spiritual concepts. It's just by making a hashtag about it so it's searchable, so I can find it later, so I can think about it in terms of, like, when was the first time you thought about this? So I started making little hashtag moons to kind of pair up with what everyone else was talking about. And... Then I noticed how much my moon names made sense and how much affirmation, confirmation I was getting from universe every step along the way. I was hearing the moon sing their name back to us over and over and over again. And, and so I felt really good about it. And I was seeing the moon, you know, one, two, sometimes three moons ahead. I was getting about a season ahead. I'd I would get like the first sign of something about three months before it was actually to be that moon. So like, in other words, sour grass blossom moon would be in say late February, for instance, and I might see a picture of a sour grass blossom in November 
or I might, you know, eat my last batch of sourgrass blossom soup from the previous season, and it would remind me that it's coming up upon us. For, for instance, um, I might see someone else's jacaranda blossom tree blooming way out of season, well in advance of my own blooming and go, yeah, it's almost time. We're coming up on it. Another six weeks here, right? My tree should be blooming, yeah, right around the July full moon or, you know, whatever. Like I, I would get these messages and all of a sudden I got them all. All of a sudden, it wasn't just one, two moons at a time, a couple of phases here or there. All of a sudden, I got the whole download. Boom. All at once. And this was back in um, uh, it would have been November, December of last year of 2017 because the first moon I named was in December, but I think I did this channeling prior to that. I could look in my Instagram and be sure. I'll get back to you that on that one, guys, or I'll forget about it, and you'll have to look it up. Anyways, the point is, they all came, boom, in a stream. I just knew all the names, and I did the whole year worth. It was 13 moons all in one go, and then since then, I've gotten a couple more added on so now I have all the way up until April of 2019 so far named and I also have some what I call dual sigil or quantum sigils which are the new moon names or dark moon names or secret names shadow names they're basically the names for deeper work or for people that are in um, spiritual service it's just like that like deeper layer um, so, yeah, so I got all of those ones kind of at different points along the way, too. Those came in, and, and I continue to get more of those. Um, and every moon, I always get another, like, little shadow moon name. Uh, and it's usually a hint for something that's coming up in a few months. Or a lot of times what it is, it's a hint to what will this moon be next lap. In other words, what will the lunar sigil for this lunation be next year next solar return does that make sense okay so if you want I'll just read through some of the maybe I'll just read through the whole list of names just so they're logged on this portal why not so um, December of 2017 uh, December 3rd was sovereign moon and we started out the new year we had a new a brand new moon a, a full moon full moon on the 1st of 2018, I thought that was very fortuitous to start a new moon and a new year at the same time. Because, I mean, they say new moon is dark moon, but in most indigenous seasons, they count the moon starting with the full moon. So, whatever. Anyways, blah, blah, blah. That's why it's quantum, because it's always the exact opposite of whatever it is. <laughs> it's always the exact opposite of whatever it is. Okay? Do you guys get that? It's logic. Sovereign moon, full moon... Sourgrass Blossom Moon, Great Blue Heron Moon, Red-Tailed Hawk Moon, Pink Flamingo Moon, Jacaranda Blossom Moon, Bowing Branch Moon, 
Sintalo moon, Heyoka moon, Dios moon. That's the moon that we're in right now. We're in Dios moon right now. Um, that was uh, full on the 24th. And, and honestly, this is funny because I just added this in. Hashtag, remember how I said I added some for future? On the 12th, so the midpoint, so... Aqual Dios moon is 9-24-2018. Morteros moon is 10-24-2018. So it's in between two 24s is the 12th. 10-12-2018 is labeled mitosis moon. It was one of the half moons. It's a Hayoka moon. It's mitosis. It's the cellular division. If you don't know what mitosis means, it's when a single cell divides into two cells. Okay, so we have Morteros moon, we have Chimera moon, we have Christosophia moon, we have Mamariri moon, we have Bastard air moon, and air is spelled like um, like the heir to the throne. Uh, we have Mamariri moon, Bastard air moon, Scarlet heaven moon, and Oak pollen moon, and that gets us into mid-April. So... Yeah, I've already got a lot of moon names for these lunar sigils, and they resonate. They resonate across the consciousness. I get affirmations globally through Instagram. I get affirmations quantumly through different energy readings that are stated. Like, I if you follow the galactic calendar, like the the you know lawoftime.org, the thirteen moons. 13, there's 13 moons in a year, 12 months, but 13 moons. The, the Gregorian calendar is a giant um, uh, spell. It's like casting an illusion over our reality. It does deep time magic. It robs an entire month of your life out of you every year. Did you know that? If you follow the Gregorian calendar, you lose an entire month of your life. Drop the Gregorian calendar. Go lunar, guys. It's the only way we get off planet. we got to go galactic to get off planet. And galactic time is solar lunar time. And we have 13 months in a year, not 12. So that is really what I wanted to talk about, you guys. I really wanted to talk about the lunar sigil. I wanted to talk about the nicknames that I give the moon and why. It totally has to do with my own synchronistic language and my own focal point. I tune my energies to see these specific messages and I get confirmations, affirmations from my arena. It works. So what I can say to you is this. If you follow me, my path, my, you know, filter and a lot of what I say resonates with you energetically. In other words, if it feels like, yeah, she's going through that, I'm going through that. Yeah, she went through that, I went through that. Or she thinks that way, I think that way. Um, I think you may find resonance with these names, even if you don't live in the chaparral. If you live in the chaparral, you for sure going to notice it because a lot of the signs are biological. It's like... You know, the year prior to this, there was like the Grunion running moon and um, uh, there was, uh, well, we had Red Tail Hawk moon both years, I think, or maybe the year before. But like, you know, there's references, there's, there's references to our local flora and fauna and the significant timings of those events 
So if you're here in the Chaparral, if you're in Southern California, it's going to resonate. For sure and certain it will. But if you don't dwell in the Chaparral and you are still in flow listening to these things that I'm saying and it's, and it's making sense, give it a shot. Maybe all of a sudden you might start seeing um, uh, jacaranda blossoms falling on your path, you know, even though it's out of season. And that'll be a confirmation affirmation to you. So, um, yeah, that's, God, that's a lot. Oh, my God, I just noticed. <laughs> hey, Mark, I hope you enjoy having a nice long uh, episode in your file. This is almost an hour. Boy, howdy. There you go. Um, yeah. That was a good flow. I'm really glad that I was able to share that with you guys. I'm glad that I was able to put it out there because it makes sense. It makes sense to me. They're nicknames, just like every locality. You know, they have the full corn moon. They have the um, planting moon. They have the salmon run moon. They have the chaparral moon, snow moon, grass poking out moon. I mean, some of these names you look in, if you start to study indigenous languages, and you read their moon names and you learn what they're really called. It's like the sleeping in moon, the, the going to festival moon, the, you know, the, the, the hurting eyes moon. There's ones up in like the, the north, like because the sun, the snow is so bright during certain times of the year. There's one that's called like the hurting eyes moon, right? Like it's just these these names were meant to be significant and tender and intimate for the people that were having relationship with the moon and sun, where they dwell. Where they dwell. So where you dwell, maybe you come up with some moon names for you. And if you're not inclined to create in that way, pay attention to what the moon names are of those that are celebrating around you. There's great festival energy in that. You know? Great festival energy in that. So, yeah, I think that's it. That, that should be it. It's near an hour. That shouldn't be more than an hour, I don't think. Yeah. Okay. So we're good. This is a good flow. I feel really good about where we're going as a collective and where we're going individually. So I observe the good in others and it makes me feel good about myself. That's a good tip. I, I would say, like, look for the good in others. You'll surely find it. And it'll affirm you because you'll see the goodness in yourself. If you look for the failings or weaknesses or faults or criticisms in others, you're going to find those same things in yourself. So look for the good. Look for the good in others. That's a kindness, surely, right? And we were, we were, we were guided into kindness by Soraya the Great. She's a great one truly for reminding us of our kindness and to be kind in our nature because um, to be kind is human nature as fully as it is anything it is in human nature to be kind so do a kindness to one another by looking for the good in one another look for the good all around you and uh, surely you will feel that good within yourself you'll feel it within your spirit okay Ah, Chihololi means I love you.
in Chickasaw. Chiholali. Chiholali, 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 Chiholali. And Chukma Chipisolacho means hello. I will see you as the Chickasaw have no word for goodbye. Broke down, thought that I would drown Hope that I'd be found for I hit the ground Sunday's at the corner of my eye Yeah Saw you weeping, saw you creeping Saw you sneaking in the shadows long The fear's so strong Saw you at the corner of my eye